Good morning. morning. Y'all heard the weather report? About seven inches of snow. (laughs) Just kidding. No. Welcome to Community Baptist Church. We have a full house, and it's a beautiful sunny day, and a lot of good things happening right inside this church building. Um, We want to welcome everyone to our church. We've had folks drive in from past Louisville this morning for a very special day for one of our little girls. We've got a lot of visitors, and we're very glad you're here. As Dr. Tim would say, please don't forget to take the uh, burgundy folders and write your name in there so we that we may have a record for you um, at the end of the service today. So uh, a couple of announcements today. Um, Right here this afternoon, we have a wedding shower for Samantha, Samantha English. The wedding shower starts at 1.30. Thank you for a wonderful fellowship cafe. That was Jika's class. I don't know when the men come up next, but mm, that was pretty good this morning. Also have a deacons meeting today at 3.30 and volleyball today at 5 o'clock. All that still on? Okay. Volleyball at 5 o'clock. Once again, Community Baptist Church, I don't know what I would do without you. You are hosting the Tuesday Senior Service Day. And for our visitors, that's when we have about 300 senior citizens come out here and get a box of food uh, that the government sends in. So... Jerry Wagner or Christine, anything you need? We still need people to bake cookies. We still need people to bake cookies for our senior service day on Tuesday. Okay. Um, we are setting the bar very, very high because the seniors will be treated to a very good lunch this Tuesday. So if you can help with prep, see Jerry Wagner or Christine. And I've already had volunteers saying they're going to come out here and help register seniors. So once again, we're uh, doing what we need to be doing, serving others by serving, or serving him by serving others. Uh, Sue Berry, we're on for March 28th with the sewing dresses. And there's an art, um, information in the bulletin about that. Um, the youth committee, uh, Mary Rye is going to speak on that in a little bit. Brittany has something in from Habitat. Habitat shelves are bare. Anything in your home that you're not using that can be used for other people in building of homes, please that, get that to Brittany or it can be picked up. Right, Brittany? can be picked up. Right around the corner, the snow is going to be gone. Easter Fest. Jerry Wagner, you win the early bird door prize. She's already brought Easter eggs. Easter Fest, Saturday, April 4th, 1 to 2 p.m. in here. Donation of plastic eggs and Easter candy, also needed. Behind the scenes, serving others. Um, Thank you very much for these prayer cloths. I just had a a loss of... Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Sybil. She's making prayer cloths for our senior citizens. Thank you for doing that again. I think that's enough announcements for right now. Except for me. Except for Mary, and she's going to come up here and do the responsive reading. You want to do that now? You're... We're going to sing first. Okay, we're going to sing first. No, I'm going to announce Oh, my gosh. Mary one and Mary two. I'm going to the back. There you go. Um, the teenagers, I, I am part of the youth committee. The teenagers are invited to my house next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock to eat and hang out. That's as much as I've got planned. <laughs> um, we'll watch a movie or pull out 
my game cabinet and see what's in there. I don't have video games. Sorry, I don't have one of those. Uh, sorry, I'm old. I don't have one of those. Um, but you're invited to my house next, next Sunday the 15th at 6 o'clock. We'll get um, addresses and all that stuff to you so you'll have that. Please come. Um, now, if you will stand with us as we sing uh, hymn number 230. Join with me in your responsive reading as it's printed in your bulletin. Obedience to God proves our love for God, demonstrates our faithfulness to God, glorifies God in the world, and opens avenues of blessings for us. If our faith is genuine and true, we will live a life characterized by righteousness, modeling the example set for us by Jesus Christ. We obey God's commands not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love him. When we obey the Lord, we can live a life of joy without shame, rooted deeply in the Lord and confident in our eternal love. Do not merely listen to the words and so be deceitful. Do what it says. We will receive the word of God and obey. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a wonderful day this is. Um, this is a day that Sydney Warren will remember all of her life, we hope. And I think it's an easy day for her to do that because you see, today is Sydney's 10th birthday. Wow. Amen. Happy birthday. 
It is also her first rebirth day. She has submitted herself to the Lord Jesus Christ. She has given herself in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. She has followed in his example in coming to the waters for baptism. And she has committed her life to follow in his steps for the rest of her life. That is worth great celebration. And we celebrate today not only her birthday, but her rebirthday. Debbie, my sister, it is my privilege to baptize you today in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There is much water. What prevents you from being baptized?
Our scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 11. I'll give you just a moment to find it in your electronic reader or your digital Bible or the screen above. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who through he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God, as, therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth, and under earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is the word of our Lord. Come on down, children. Come see Mr. Larry down here. He'll be doing children's moment. Do children's moment? Oh, shucks. Well, maybe that's why you can't. We've heard a word today quite a bit already. And I'm going to go back and read one more verse that Nibby read. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even to the death, to the cross. Uh, Tell you what, everybody stand up. Okay, everybody sit down. That was good, that was good. Tim's not here. I was going to ask him, I think he emailed me about obedient, wasn't it? Okay, I just want to make sure because it wasn't. I had a longer version. He could just sit down today, okay, and we could talk, but it's probably best. Amy says I talk too much anyhow, so that don't matter. Uh, I'm going to read you the definition of obedience in Webster's Dictionary. 
willing to do what someone tells you to do or to follow a law or a rule, willing to obey. How many of y'all feel like you obey or be obedience? Who are you obedience to? Teachers and your mom. That's probably about the most important as far as... And your dad, too. That's right. No doubt. No doubt. It is important that we're obedient. Uh, what obedience means in the Bible or the greater obedience is we need to be obedient to God. And that is to do what God asks us. And that's whether it be the Ten Commandments, which pretty well covers all things, but being respectful to our moms. If someone asks you, it's just like I said today, Tim emailed me about speaking about obedience, and that's what I'm being. He asked me to speak to you all about obedience, so I'm being obedient. The reason I had you all to stand up, you all were very obedient. You all stood up, you all sat down, and that's, that's good. But we need to take that a step farther, and we need to ask God for our forgiveness because he wants us to be obedient. We ask him to pray for, our, be good to our moms and dads, our teachers, and things that goes on in school. Are we all obedient? Are we? That's good. That's good. I'd like to say a little prayer if I can. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that we are obedient in everything we do in life. May you be at school or home. But most of all, we pray to be obedient to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Stand and sing our offertory hymn, page 641, please. Let's pray together. Good morning, God. 
The warm sunshine today reminds us the promise of spring is right around the corner. Thank you for the light and promise of your word. Thanks for lighting up our darkness so we can walk confidently and securely in this life. Help us not only to live by your light, but to share it freely with others who walk in darkness. Please bless and multiply these gifts and offerings we present this morning. May they become your light and your hope for others. For it is in the light and the giver of life's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If there is a way, take this cup away from me, for I don't want to taste its poison. 
I have changed I'm not as sure as when we started then I was inspired Now I'm sad and tired Listen, surely I've exceeded Expectations tried for three years Seems like thirty Could you ask as much from any other man But if I die See the saga through And do the things you ask of me Let them hate me, hit me, hurt me Nail me to their tree I want to know, I want to know My God, I want to know, I want to know if I die, what will be my reward? If I God, I find the God, what to I should I die? Would I be more noticed than I ever was before? Would the things I've said and done matter anymore? I'd have to know, I'd have to know my Lord I'd have to know, I'd have to know my Lord I'd have to see, I'd have to see my Lord I'd have to see, I'd have to see my Lord If I die, what will be my reward? If I die, what will be my reward? I'd have to know, I'd have to know my Lord I'd have to know, I'd have to know my Lord Why should I die? That I would not be killed in vain Show me just a little Of your omnipresent brain Show me there's a reason For you wanting me to die You're far too keen on where and how But not so hot on why All right I'll die just watch me die See how I die See how I I didn't 
wow. <laughs> Always amazed, and I've got to follow that. Oh, boy. Thank you, Lord. There was a minister in Texas who used a very creative visual aid to start his message one Sunday. You see, he brought to the stage a beautiful Irish setter that belonged to the the youth minister at this church. And the youth minister loved this dog so much that when the dog had been sick and had to stay at the vet's office overnight, the youth minister actually went and stayed with him at the vet's office overnight. And so needless to say, this dog also loved his master. So the pastor brought the dog onto the stage And he rolled a ball across the platform and said, fetch, Josh, fetch. The dog's name was Josh. Fetch, Josh, fetch. But the dog just sat there, would not fetch the ball. So the minister had one of his friends, a large bodybuilder, to come up onto the stage. And this huge muscle man stood over the dog in an intimidating fashion and growled at the dog, fetch, dog, fetch. But the dog would not fetch the ball for power. And then a banker came to the platform and waved a handful of of bills in front of the dog and said, Josh, if you go get that ball, I'll give you this cash. But the dog would not fetch for money. And then the preacher said, let's try some peer pressure. And so he had the whole congregation to stand up and join in unison saying, fetch, Josh, fetch. But the dog would not yield to peer pressure. And then the pastor had a beautiful young woman with auburn hair, kind of the color of the dog's hair, to come to the platform. And she she patted Josh on the head, and with a sultry voice she said, Josh, please get the ball for me. And the dog did flinch just a little bit, but he would not fetch the dog for the, for the, the ball for the wiles of a, of a woman. And then finally he called the youth minister to the front. And the young man who owned the dog, uh, the youth minister said, Josh, go get the ball. And the dog bolted across the stage, retrieved the ball, and brought it back to its owner. Then after everybody had settled down, the preacher began his sermon by asking this, who are you fetching for? And I think it's a pretty good question to begin a sermon this morning. Who are you fetching for? In other words, who is your master? One of the greatest passages of Scripture in all of the Scripture can be found in Philippians chapter 2. And speaking of Christ, Paul writes, being in the very nature of of God, Christ did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, folks, the key word in this passage is the word obedient. Jesus was obedient 
to God. He was obedient in life and he was obedient in death, even death on a cross. But here's the thing. Obedience is not a trait that is easy to learn. And it is certainly not easy for children to learn, is it, parents? I don't think so. Marguerite Provost tells about her three-year-old granddaughter named Beverly who was playing with her toys one day, and her mother, who was folding laundry across the room, noticed that that Beverly's shirt was dirty, and, and she needed to change her shirt. And so after calling Beverly two times with no response, her mother gave that full three-name call. Beverly, Elizabeth, Provost, did you hear me? And Beverly answered, yes, Mama, my ears heard you, but my legs didn't. I'll just bet that all of you who are parents understand that answer, don't you? You see, obedience is is not easy. It's not an easy thing to learn. It's not an easy thing for children to learn. It's not an easy thing for adults to learn or anybody for that matter. Beverly's answer reminds me of a a five-year-old Brian who heard his pastor tell the story of St. Simeon the Stylite. St. Simeon was a Syrian monk back in the 5th century who was mainly remembered because he lived for more than 35 years on the top of a platform high on top of a pillar. Well, you know how five-year-old boys are. That kind of sounded fun. And in all fairness, the pastor should have warned kids don't try this at home. Because when Brian got home, the first thing that he did was to march into the kitchen And in the spirit of St. Simeon, he put a stool on top of the table and started his own perilous climb to the top. Well, fortunately, his mother came in and shouted, Brian, get down before you break your neck. And the boy obeyed, but he muttered, gee whiz, you can't even become a saint in your own house. (laughs) My friends, obedience is a trait that is not easily learned for children or for anyone else, particularly in our culture today. And the reason I say that is because in our culture, obedience has become a lost art. It has lost its importance. Some radical changes have taken place in our culture concerning the role of obedience in the home. For example, back in 1924, Helen and and Robert Lind conducted the famous Middletown Research Study in which they asked mothers in Middletown, which was later revealed to be Muncie, Indiana, they asked these mothers which traits they most emphasized in rearing their children. And these mothers from the 1920s reviewed a list of of qualities and selected the following three qualities as the most important for their children to learn. Number one, Loyalty to the church. Number two, strict obedience. And number three, good manners. These qualities they rated as the top three. The qualities that they rated as the lowest three were independence, tolerance, and social mindedness. Well, in 1978, some sociologists went back to Muncie to survey a new generation of mothers. And when when they asked the same question of more modern mothers, what do you think happened? 
The more modern mother selected the following three choices as the most positive traits they wanted to teach their children. Independence, tolerance, and social mindedness. And the qualities that they rated the lowest were good manners, loyalty to the church, and strict obedience. Do you see what happened here? The survey in 1978 completely reversed the survey in 1924. In 1924, mothers showed a strong preference for conformity. And more than 50 years later, a generation of baby boom mothers had diametrically different goals for raising their children, and they opted for traits that were linked to autonomy. And in all honesty, I understand that. I'm of that generation. I am a product of the baby boom generation. And conformity may have its strengths, but it also has the potential to be abused. And it has been abused in many ways through the years. But it's also possible to go too far in shifting our values. And in some ways, I think we may have tossed out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Because when it comes to our relationship with God, Obedience is important. In many ways, our society is out of step with Jesus. We live in a do-your-own-thing society, but look at Jesus' life. Jesus was a do-God's-thing kind of person. Our society says, look out for number one, but Jesus says, look out for the least and the lowest. Our society heralds independence. I did it my way. But Jesus said, you were created for interdependence. Let's do it God's way. As as that song that Rick sang a moment ago demonstrates to us, Jesus struggled with what he needed to do. He didn't relish the idea of being nailed to a cross. It was not something that he particularly wanted to do. But in the end... He was obedient to God. Not my will, but your will be done, he said. So why did he do that? Well, I believe that Jesus' obedience, as well as ours, grows from having a vital vision. You see, when you are driven by a vision, a great purpose in life, obedience comes naturally. Now, you may not see yourself as as an obedient person, so to speak. <coughs> in fact, you may view yourself as, as quite a free spirit, and that's, that's well and good. You were probably raised by one of those modern middle-town moms with their emphasis on independence and tolerance and social mindedness, and that's a good thing. But let me tell you something, folks. If you've ever attempted anything great in this world, and if you've seen it through to success, you have learned to be obedient. Some of you will remember a great movie from the 1980s called The Karate Kid. And it's, it's, you see, still see it in its sequels and its remakes, you know. It's about a teenager named Daniel who moves to a new town where he becomes uh, uh, the target of a bully and his gang who have been training in martial arts. And so Daniel feels alone. He feels unprotected in his new home. And, and, and naturally, he's afraid. Well, un- well, fortunately, Daniel meets... A uh, man, Mr. Miyagi, 
Chinese immigrant who is also the handyman in the apartment building where he lives. Mr. Miyagi is an eccentric but kindly man who happens to have a black belt in karate. And so he agrees to teach Daniel what he knows so that he can protect himself. So on the first day of his lessons, the old man asks Daniel to wax and polish several old cards that he owns. And you know, the, you know what it is. Can you tell me? Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. You've seen the movie. Good. Wax on, wax off. All day long, Daniel had to follow these instructions. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Then on the second day, the old man asked Daniel to paint his fence. Paint up, paint down. Paint up, paint down. Again, it takes all day. Then on the third day, the old man asked him to to sand the the wooden floor of his veranda in a circular fashion. And again, it, it takes all day long. Well, in the end of the third day, Daniel's pretty ticked off. I've done all this work for you, he says, and you still haven't taught me a thing about karate. And at this point, Mr. Miyagi tells Daniel to stand in front of him and to do the motion for wax on and wax off. And as he does this, Mr. Miyagi makes a move to hit Daniel, but his his, his blow is deflected by the boy's arms making that motion. And Daniel begins to see that his work for Mr. Miyagi, his obedience, has prepared him for his first lesson in self-defense. The actions that Mr. Miyagi have prescribed for him have helped him to develop what is called muscle memory, which which will allow him to become a champion in martial arts. His obedience helped him to attain a lofty goal. And here's the thing, folks. Anyone who sets their minds to achieve a lofty goal and sees it through to success, that person will learn obedience. Because, because folks, there, there is no other path to success than that. You may have the goal of being a great mom or dad. But folks, when you begin that journey, you soon learn that you no longer live in a do-your-own-thing world. Not when you have children. You don't live in a do-your-own-thing world when you have children. There are responsibilities that you have that make it necessary for you to to give up your own desires for the sake of your children. It may be starting a new business. If you're successful, you're going to find yourself being obedient to the customer's expectations. Suddenly you will discover personal discipline that you never knew you had, and, and, and that's true of anything that's important in life. You may think of yourself as a free spirit, but if you are successful at anything important, you have learned to be obedient. And in the same way, Christ was obedient because he had a great mission. He had a great mission. And that mission was to reconcile the world to God. That mission was to make it possible for you and me to become sons and daughters of God. That mission was to save us from the power of sin and death. And so in that Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Not my will, but your will be done. And in Paul's words, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of his great love for us, and because of 
his great love for God, Christ was obedient. Now let me conclude by asking you a very important question today. Are you obedient to God? Are you obedient to God? And before you answer that in your mind, let me stress, are you really obedient to God? Now, some of you are great parents, and and you have learned to be obedient and to do the things that are necessary to be a great parent. And some of you are excellent in your profession or your business or your school. You've learned to be obedient to the rules and the regulations that govern success in the business that you're in or, or, or in the school that you, are attend, you attend. And that's terrific. I salute you. Those are good things to do. Obedience is never an easy thing to do. But let me ask this. Have you learned to be obedient to God? When Paul talked about Christ's obedience to God in this passage, he began by saying, let this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to be obedient just as Jesus was obedient. Back in 1983... One of the great stories of sports history took place when the late Jim Valvano took an undermanned North Carolina State basketball team and won the NCAA championship. Their foe was the the Houston Cougars, uh, and they had become famous for their up-and-down style of play. They ran up and down the court and seemed to score at will, but NC State was a more traditional team. They played a a slower game. They made great passes and took good shots, and they they didn't rush anything at all. And in the days leading up to the championship game, Valvano was asked by the press about his game plan against such a high-powered, number-one-ranked Houston. And he said, we might not shoot the ball till Thursday. In other words, he was saying that, uh, what he was saying was that his team would play a slow-down game against this high-octane offense that the opponents had. But when when the game started, NC State actually came out running the ball up and down the court. And that caught Houston off guard. They were fast. They were running it up and down and caught them off guard. And, and, uh, and they had some success during that first half. And then in the second half, the second half came along, NC State slowed it down which again caught Houston off guard. And they wound up winning the game. And they won the game because the coach had a great game plan and the players bought into it. They were overmatched because of their talent and nowhere near the level of Houston's players. And they, and they were asked to play a style of basketball that they were not accustomed to playing. But the players believed in Valvano's game plan And they executed it well, and they won the game. Their obedience to their coach's game plan yielded success. And folks, did you know that God has a game plan for the world? Yeah. 
God has a game plan for the world. And it is that one day the kingdom of God will reign in every heart. It is that one day every child on earth will know God's love and God's peace. It is that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But in order for that to happen, every person who says that he or she is a follower of Jesus Christ will need to buy wholeheartedly into that game plan and will live his or her life accordingly. It means living a life of love for all people. It means inviting your friends and family to join you in the worship of God. It means doing all that you can to to make this church the kind of place that is inviting to strangers. And it means doing all that you can to make this community in some small measure a reflection of the kingdom of God. Can you do that? Will you buy into God's game plan When you have a great mission or purpose in life, you will learn to obey that voice that tells you what needs to be done. And it's something important for all of us to do. In our opening illustration, we told about an obedient Irish setter who responded to his master's voice. And we asked, who are you fetching for? In other words, who is your master? To whom are you obedient? My friends, if you have bought into God's game plan, the answer is very easy. You are obedient to God. And as we continue through this season of Lent, a time for us to step back and take a good hard look at our lives and be penitent, looking at places that we need to change in our lives. As we continue through this season of Lent, I hope that we are confronting ourselves by asking that very important question. Am I really? Am I really obedient to God? Or am I just going through the motions? Only you can answer that question. I hope you're asking it. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Burn in Me, Fire of God, number 496. And that's our desire in each of our lives, that God's Spirit will burn in us so that we will know God's will for our lives and that we will be obedient to follow God's will for our lives. Let us sing together, Burn in Me, Fire of God.
We know the love of God because Christ laid down his life for us. And so let us go forth now as followers of Christ. Let us walk in his steps, obedient to his will, loving in deed and in truth. And the peace of God will go with you. Amen.